in every corner of the interwebs. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy this beautiful Sunday, the 26th of May. You are listening to Podland Trailcasters. I am Keith Heltner Smith, and this beautiful gentleman right next to me is Brandon Goldner. How are you, B? I am doing quite well, as well as those green, green plants outside my window. And if you want to give us gardening tips, you always can at <laughs> Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Old fashioned emails, those are always going to work. Those are me, Trailcaster gmail.com. And we also have a website, simply Trailcasters.com. The most Dot important com. thing, and I usually put on a weird looking tank top to say this. We're going to want your five star reviews, whether they are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, I can't edit that out, <laughs> Google Play, Spotify, that doesn't matter. It matters those reviews because more reviews and more people, more people, be more fun. Keith, how is everything going? You are sitting right next to me. Yes, I am. Which is weird and interesting. Downtown in Portland Trail Downtown's HQ. Brown. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it had to get the technology worked out. And it's uh, it's weird because I can see you on the screen, but I can also see you right there. This doesn't, there's so too many weird. Keiths in this You room. know, there's someone who we can't see, but we can hear. All the way from the Big Easy, we've got Evan M. Evan McCarthy joining us today. We're going to be talking about another extension being announced for the Blazers, as well as Cantor uh, having some really cool announcements for some unique summer camps, different from the ones Wah. that we Wah. have not really done some trailcasters investigations into, although we have pumped it many times despite that. We will pump also... Pump it, pump, pump it up. We will touch on the finals. The, the finals are here. Blazers are not involved, but there's some interesting kind of hypotheticals if we had been. And last but certainly not least, we will kind of maybe discuss, fantasize, predict, project about the upcoming offseason and all of its glory. Evan, how are you, sir? You're here already. There's no Wait, need who to... is our guest exactly? What's his first and last name? Evan McCarthy uh, of EvanM.com and also of uh, other jobs down in the Big Easy, down in New Orleans. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. Just hanging out with me and Fat Man. Some of your listeners may know my yes. pug, who is staring at me and very well could join in the combo. He looks like a ticking time bomb. <laughs> He's ready to bark. So I apologize in advance if he pops off. Well, I, I just have to uh, try and take some credit here real fast, too. I, I specifically wore this shirt just for today, my Dame Time, Dame Clock uh, shirt from EvanM.com. Hell yeah. <laughs> Evan, uh, <laughs> home, home to some of the sickest blazer gear, tees, graphics, whatever else you need for it. And Evan, I think you just recently announced on Twitter you are re-releasing some of, uh, some of your most hyped stuff. Is that right? Yeah, so I did in the past few weeks, I re-released the Dame Dare shirt, like the Dame yes. Pledge shirt. It's a play on the Dare logo, but with Dame. Um, a few pictures had surfaced of it on social media and people were really freaking out about it. Uh, and since I last released it, I had gained a decent amount of followers. So I figured, Oh, it'd be a really cool idea to re-release that. I didn't know how many freaking people were going to order. It was, I spent an entire weekend just packaging and shipping them out. So nice. I almost, re- <laughs> almost regretted it, but you know, it's, it was fun to, to be able to get that out to some of the fans out there. It's great because I'm going to start my own company and rip off your design and take credit for it and then get on the news. It's going to be awesome. Oh, man. We'll leave, I know. That that was crazy. Yeah. Uh, we can leave that aside unless you want to talk about it. No, Good. it was just quickly. You know, I don't want to harp on it. But Eminem. it was. Com's gear is so sick that Portland gear just can't keep their hands off of it. <laughs> yeah, that it was that was a weird few days for sure. But it was, yeah, you know, getting a dude from Willamette Week calling me like, hey, man, you want to drop oh. some quotes in this story i'm gonna write and i was like sure fuck i'll talk oh, about it did that drop i didn't see that yeah so and someone i, I have such great like followers on twitter some of the best followers ever I, sh- I put it out there like hey can someone send me a copy of the willamette week that has a story but yeah in in i guess last week's willamette week i don't know which one it was but yeah they ran a story about it that's um, awesome yeah, Which, after, it was, some, after some of the initial media was kind of maybe not really telling the whole story about it, maybe not giving credit to some of the original artists like yourself. Good to see that Willamette Week kind of followed up. 
Yeah, and I don't, you know, I don't want to harp on on the negativity of it, but I will say that it's super cool to have so many awesome people that support me. And you know, I had some of the coolest, most creative people in Portland reach out to me, whether on Twitter or just like private messages saying, "Hey, man." We know the situation. We got your back. Keep doing you. Nice. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, that felt really good. So, yeah, whatever. Well, hey, speaking of uh, harping on negativity, uh, let's talk about this other uh, contract extension that has come up for the Blazers. We uh, Last week we talked about how Dame will likely be signing his extension this summer. That will keep him basically locked in for four more years past the two that we still have him. And we also touched on Terry Stotts, who moments, moments before our podcast. Oh, uh, did we? Oh, okay. okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon, you were, uh, you were a little lit for that one. You might not be <laughs> totally clear on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I yeah, drank but, so much water for that. So episode. hydrated, so, <laughs> so well hydrated. Uh, but yeah, uh, Stotts had just gotten his pod, uh, his contract right before our pod dro- uh, recorded, and today, or I guess yesterday, really, or the other day, whatever. Yesterday, you said you'd call Sears. That's Sorry. true, and it never happened. But uh, if anyone understands that reference, <laughs> and you hit me up on Twitter, I'll give you a Blazers basketball card. Don't oh, spoil oh. it beyond that. Look at okay, okay, just I'll, throw oh, it yeah. in the middle. Yeah, I'll help. I'll send something. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Neil Olshay is the one we're talking about. Olshay has gotten his contract extension. So Dame, presumably, Stotts for sure, and now for sure as well, Neil Olshay uh, is locked in for, I believe, another four years. Is that right? I believe that is correct. 23, uh, 24. Yes. Which is odd because Stotts's contract does not run the same amount of time. Um, it runs a yeah, couple year years less. shorter. So uh, yeah. I, I think the speculation was that they'd all kind of be in lockstep, but that's not the case. Evan, I do want to kick it to you. Let me make a comment first, and I'll get your thoughts on this. So here's, here's my comment about this, and I've said this on the pod before. I've said on Twitter, I do value organizational continuity. I honestly do. I think that that matters. The Blazers haven't had this stable, but front office um, and a team and a coach – Maybe, maybe ever. I mean, again, if you go from like front office to coach, maybe, maybe the seventies and early eighties Blazers with Jack Ramsey at the helm, uh, not even Adelman lasted this long with the same front office. So this is maybe the most stable Blazers organization in team history. I do think that that's good. That's interesting. So, so I, I appreciate that. I really do. And Olshay's not a terrible GM. He's not an Ernie Grunfeld, right? He's not, <laughs> he's not a whatever the fuck is happening in, in, with the Lakers. But he's also, in my right. view, not a great GM. And I have to say, I have more to say about this, but I'll cap it there. I'm a little disappointed in this contract extension. Evan, when you heard that, that, that Olshay got extended, what were your initial thoughts and feelings about it? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't necessarily shocked given the state of the Blazers right now. I mean, rest in peace, Paul Allen. He's no longer here. I know that we keep seeing stories that Jody Allen, uh, his sister who now owns the team, is kind of pretty involved, and she was really moved by the playoffs and all that. But when I saw he got an extension, I'm like, oh, he just basically gave himself an extension because who, <laughs> like, who, who is he answering to? Like, seriously, like, I'm yeah, he can convince – uh, Jody to give him that extension. I, I can't, th- that's the one thing with Neil Shea that he's spectacular at is that he's really good at selling himself. Um, so I'm, I wasn't shocked by it and just, you know, he's, he's good at selling himself. He's a good opportunist. We just came off of a very emotional, very successful, uh, Western conference finals appearance that no one saw coming. Right. Um, you know, I saw on Twitter, which someone made the point, which is hilarious where, what you know the butterfly effect of what happens if Anthony Simons doesn't pop off in the final game of the season to yeah, come back and that. beat the Kings and we play you know the Jazz in the first round or the Warriors in the second round like what effect <laughs> would what effect would that have had on this team but anyways um you know I think he did a good job of he, he's really good at riding the Dame and Terry wave and just kind of going with it 
And Brandon, I totally agree with you. I don't think he's a bad GM. I, I criticize him on Twitter and it's insane. He has like insane stands that like really go to bat for him. And like, burner I'm not saying burner accounts. It's in, it's insane <laughs> that are like totally oblivious to like a lot of mistakes he's made in his tenure. And I'm not saying he's a terrible GM, but I don't understand a huge extension like that either. But again, you know, he, it's, it, it seems like he gave himself an extension. So good, you know, good for him. Keep hammering those checks. So I, I, I want to go into depth on this a little bit more, but yeah, to kind of, to kind of put the cart before the horse, I agree with what both of you guys are saying. I feel like he's not, he's not a horrible GM in the sense that, uh, we could do a lot worse, but I do feel like uh, there's. I, I think that's really what it comes down to, as far as this extension. If if we don't have him, who's out there that we're gonna get that would really be uh, sizably better than Olshay? And I don't think there's a lot of options. That's probably why this extension did happen. Well, let's talk about the details, though. Starting with that hypothetical you mentioned, if we, if Simons doesn't help us win that game against Sacramento at the end of the season, if we get a different first round playoff matchup, if this whole uh, postseason goes differently for us, very different. Uh, let's say we're a first round exit. Let's say we barely get to the second round and are swept out at that point instead of in the Western Finals. I don't think we see Stas get an extension. I don't think we see Neil get one. I think we are probably already seeing trades kind of kind of brought up and talked about, if not finalized, since it's too early for that. But do you disagree? Do you think this team, if it goes slightly different in the postseason, do you think this team doesn't face uh, dramatically different consequences? I'm not sure if I disagree, but I do want to say that if that was the determinant, if the playoff result was the determinant and how to approach Stotts and Olshay, that's terrible decision-making by whoever was making those decisions because you have to look at the process over the result. I've had people at my mentions on Twitter at Golden PDX saying, all Olshay's ever done is get Dame as far as he's ever been in his career. Dude, a Simons game away, the playoff seating, Denver tanking, uh, Dame going apeshit in the first round, CJ going apeshit in the second round. If those things don't happen, you don't get to the Western Conference Finals if your path wasn't that easy. So that's not what you have to look at. Here's what you do have to look at. He got Cantor off of the waiver wire. He traded second round picks for Rodney Hood. He picked up Seth Curry for the minimum. That is Coach Stotts and the culture that Damian Lillard is setting, squeezing lemonade out of lemons yet again. That's not Olshay. That's not because of him. The success this team has had is because of Stotts and because of Dame. And I, I don't see why people keep giving Olshay credit for making bargain basement discount signings and saying that Olshay's a genius. No, he isn't. He's good at marginal well, he's, moves. He's got to get some credit for these bargain basement signings. Evan, I mean, like, as far as the signings we have had, like, let's, let's zero in on this. We've gotten cheap deals for not just guys right now with Canner, uh, with Curry and Hood, but Chief Mo and Ro uh, Robin Lopez in the past were all deals, all players that came to Portland on very cheap deals. And those are probably kind of the, the big positives you look at with. But uh, they all overachieved. Sorry, Evan. They, they Sorry. all overachieved. But Evan, uh, where do you where do you see this falling? Like, do you see kind of the the benefits that he's brought to Portland? A lot of these cheap signs. Do you see that outweighing? Let's say let's, let's just sum it up as the summer of sixteen. Like that's the real large negative is the large contracts he handed out that summer four in particular. Where do you put this as far as the grand scheme? Is this cumulatively cumulatively a plus or minus? Where are you at? Yeah, I mean, you kind of brought up kind of the point, and I agree with Brandon pretty much almost 100%. <laughs> I mean, a lot of GMs can go out and make these marginal moves. A lot of GMs do. Um, we talk about that. Oh, yeah, let's, a lot of people say give him credit for finding people that fit Terry Stott's system. Fine. Let's talk about the summer 2016 when, like, GMs really make their money, when you've yeah. got a lot of money to spend and you've got to make smart decisions. 
Did Evan Turner, is that a signing that makes sense in this system at no. all? Or nope. for that price tag? No, no, no chance. So uh, real quick, I want to do a little rant. Uh, go back uh, cr chronologically real quick about what, ter or excuse me, Olshay's time in Portland. When he first came into Portland, one myth that we need to dispel that people on Twitter come all the time at me with is that, well, he drafted Damian Lillard. No, he didn't. Neil O'Shea, Neil O'Shea was hired like three weeks before that draft, three, three and a half weeks before the draft. Chad Buchanan and his scouting team and Paul Allen were pretty much dialed in at Damian Lillard at number six when Neil O'Shea got here. I know that there yep. was like a good a workout that Damian Lillard had and they went to dinner and O'Shea was there and all that. But I do not think that O'Shea had veto power on draft night when number six came up to say, no, we're not taking Damian Lillard. I don't think that at all. I think that that's, that pick was set. So let's stop with the, he drafted Damian Lillard. He was the GM, sure. But, he, you know, I have a hard time saying that he drafted Damian Lillard. So he comes in and a couple of the first things he does, which I thought was smart. And when he was first hired, I was excited. I was like, this guy's coming from the Clippers, you know, a, a big market in LA. He had some stars on that team. I'm excited. Yeah, he brought that Maybe. team up. You know, it was, it was a good kind of a, a good sign to come in on good foot. right? I, I literally photoshopped a penny with his fucking face on it saying in Olshay, <laughs> we trust. I literally did that. <laughs> No, and that's exactly what I'm saying. I was like, maybe this is the guy who can convince people to come here. Maybe this is him. So he comes here. The first thing he does is restructures, like he structures certain contracts and strategically and intentionally makes it so that in 2016, you're going to have a ton of cap space. Right. And he preached that. He's like, we got cap space. Don't, you know, the West deal he restructured. So it ended that year in that summer in case something happened, which it ended up happening. So he made, he creates all this cap space. 2015, the last year with LaMarcus, another thing that people overlook was that he couldn't convince LaMarcus to stay, and he had an extra year Ooh, to give him. Good point. P people talk about how, and, and Brandon and I, you and I talk about this all the time, the point of him, Neil O'Shea should be to get an all-star around Dame. We had an all-star around Dame, and he couldn't <laughs> convince him to stay. He couldn't convince him to stay. So so that, that playoff run ends. LaMarcus leaves. They trade Batum before that. LaMarcus leaves. They don't offer Wes a contract. They don't offer Rolo a contract. Go back and look at that roster of the summer 2015 that he created and tell me that that roster wasn't created to tank the next year. It is a terrible roster around yeah, Damian that, that roster you're talking about, uh, Ray Felton. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. No, that was the, the different year. I'm trying to remember exactly who was on the team at that point. Yeah, it was like Mason Plumlee. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so like Mason Plumlee, Alfred Camino, Mo Harkless, but like other – like. Those were our stars. I think stars. Will like Barton Mason, was playing rotation minutes. Yeah, that's when he still had Thrill yeah. in his young years. We Cliff Alexander, like all these random dudes. Like like Mason Plumlee was our starting center. He built that. He built that Thomas team. Thomas Robinson. T. Rob. Thomas. Right? Yeah. So he built that team to tank. So well, yeah, and, and I think that by the way, people at the time, including me, were fine with them tanking. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we understood that that's what had to happen at that point. But what happened? Because the idea they, was oh, build they, all this money for the summer of sixteen. Right. Sure. But what happened? They well, over. Yeah. They overachieved. And who and, yeah, and who's to credit for that? Exactly. So Damian Lillard and Terry Stotts are too good at what they do to let them be bad. I don't think Damian Lillard could ever <laughs> be a part of a losing team. I really don't. He's that good. So we go, we and we get lucky in the first round where the Clippers were injured that year. We made it to the second round. So we went from Olshay built a tanking, a roster he wanted to tank, to we get out of the second round, and now he's like, shit, well, we got a lot of money in free agency. Let's go out there. He couldn't sign Chandler Parsons, thank God. Hassan Whiteside, Dwight Howard wouldn't even meet with him. So he panics, <laughs> he panics and overpays Evan Turner. And then the other three contracts. So again, we, and, we just and, talked about how, and by the way, really quick, Evan Turner, like texts Andre Iguodala is like, right. man, you'll never believe how much money they gave me. <laughs> and it's it's he's like, take it. He, like, he's just like, take it now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and, and a side note, I don't blame players. I never blame players for the contract stuff. Like, no, literally make as all. much money as you can. Make as much money as you can. But we just talked about how he built a roster to tank. Now he turns around because he can't sign anyone else. He's giving extensions to the guys that he thought was going to tank the year before. And now he's saying, <laughs> oh, it's all, all about continuity now. It's all about continuity. you got to run it back, continuity. And it's like, come on, dude. Like, like we just talked about, riding the wave of Damon Terry carried him to this point. Um, and then after that, you know, we, ha we've we haven't been able to get an all-star. And then he starts using the excuse. He kind of admits that he fucked up by using the excuse of we have no flexibility because you signed those four contracts. Well, and Alan Crabb. Alan Crabb is the other one that no one talks about. Right. The, he, one of those four big oh poison contracts and the only uh, one he's able to get rid of. He's, I honestly think that if Brooklyn wouldn't have taken him in a trade, he wouldn't, that Olshay would have been fired by now. He matched an I offer agree. from the from the Nets after he just signed uh, Evan Turner to 70 million he matched a 70 million dollar offer from the Nets for Alan Crabb realizes in one year that that was a terrible idea and he flips it the next year for literally nothing he got a trade exemption that he never used literally nothing well and no, like, we got something dude we have Andrew Nicholson's stretched contract on our books for like three more years <laughs> exactly yeah, still going? So, yeah it's still going yeah and then, yeah, so that's kind of the history of Neil O'Shea, like literally riding the wave of Dame in, in Stotts in spite of the bad decisions he's made. So here, so I, so, okay, fucking preach, dude. Like, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. Here's where we stand today. We have Damian Lillard about to sign a Supermax, which he should lock him up forever. Yeah. I honestly don't care if it cripples the Blazers. He's not only earned it, it's Quick important. interruption on that, too. Evan, would you agree, is the Supermax basically going to make Dame a Blazer for his career if he signs here through his uh, 35 years old uh, season? Yeah, I, I don't. At, at that point, I don't see him at like 35, 36 trying to chase a title. I mean, he's made multiple public comments that he's not that type. No, I think I think he's very content with being here. And I wouldn't have said that like two, three years ago. Like I was nervous, but if he signs at Supermax, then I think, yeah. Right, and Brandon, I'll let you finish this. But yeah, I just want to point out, that's a big deal for Portland. I, I think once he really gets locked up this summer, I think we should be ready to celebrate that. That's a very big deal to have him f pretty much for sure being a, a uh, one-team player his entire career. It is a big deal, and it, and it is cool. And I, I mean, maybe you put a feather, a small little hummingbird feather in Olshay's cap because <laughs> even though Damian Lillard has made public comments in support of Stotts, he is not for Olshay, but clearly right. trust him enough to stay. And like, and part of it is like, it's, it's a lot of money. So maybe it's not about Olshay, but here's where we are. Dame is going to sign the Supermax, So he's 28 years old. So Olshay's one and only job right now and for the next several years while Dame is in his prime is to maximize that prime. There is no way. I don't give a shit if they made the Western Conference Finals because of circumstance or whatever else. They can't do that with CJ on this team. Oh, boy. They Here we can't. Go. They have to trade CJ. And Olshay has been all but completely adamant, publicly at least, that he won't trade CJ for basically anything. And look at how it's worked out for Toronto. They traded a beloved, lifelong, loyal to the soil, signed for a discount to Mar DeRozan for a one-year rental of Kawhi, and now they're in the finals. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily the Blazers' fault that they didn't do that deal or some players just may not be available. But my point is, if Olshay is seriously not open to trading CJ, that's a problem. My hope is that he's saying that publicly to keep CJ placated. That would actually be a smart move. So here, here's what I'm going to say. It's, for me, it's not about the result. 
It's about if Olshay is able to make a big move that may be a gamble in order to try to maximize the They've already got the Western Conference Finals. They've gotten to the Western Conference Finals. They need to do something that's a gamble to get them further or potentially get them further. That, to me, is the determinant of success for Olshay moving forward. See, I, I forgot about this hidden topic in here today. I forgot about even bringing up this whole CG trade thing that, Brandon, you've kind of had some... Uh, you've gotten some flames for, I think, on Twitter a little bit. Which but, is... I think that's weird that anyone... Anyway, whatever. Well, I mean... I mean, I, I mean uh, Reasonable minds can disagree, but... Honestly, this is the right pod to be talking about this, though, because Evan and Brandon, you guys both seem to be pretty good at attracting some of those uh, some of those hotheads and the trolls on Twitter. Oh, getting those people, getting all those opinions out here. Oh. <laughs> but Evan, where do you stand on this one? Where are you at on uh, on CJ's trade value? And if it's the right time for Portland, is this a, is this a buy low, sell high situation? Yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting... And people have to realize going into next season that uh, it's going to be weird because Nurkic isn't going to be ready to start the season. Who knows when he's going to be right. coming back. So it's, it's one of those things where like, if you are to make a move like that, and if expectations to start the season aren't as high, then that's kind of the time to do it. Um, I, I'm not pro or anti trading CJ. I'm pro or pro doing what makes sense. Um, so, it, you know, if an opportunity presents itself, I would, but to Brandon's point about like the goal is to bring, Someone in a higher caliber player would not not fucking sign league minimum guys like Seth Curry, Nick Stauskas, or, you know, bring in uh, Rodney Hood for a couple second round picks that we need to bring in another all star, like I mentioned. So I dug up this tweet that I wrote in February, and this is I think you guys will find this interesting. Here's a list of the Western Conference teams over the, over the last few years who've acquired an all star, whether trade or signing Golden State signed KD, which, you know, he, that's a decision he wanted to make. But they signed Boogie and Boogie didn't want to come to Portland. Uh, Minnesota traded for Jimmy Butler. Remember that? Like on draft yeah. night that no one, no one thought that Jimmy Butler was even available and boom, Minnesota traded for Jimmy Butler for, and they didn't give up that much. OKC obviously traded for Paul George. Houston's traded for Chris Paul. Denver signed Paul Millsap. People forget that Millsap at one point was a four-time all-star. San Antonio can, got LaMarcus even because Olshay couldn't convince him to stay and Brandon's point traded for DeMar DeRozan because Kawhi wanted out. Dallas traded for Porzingis when no one knew that Porzingis was available. <laughs> right. And then LeBron signed with the Lakers. But the, the point being that like, I hate this argument of like, well, it's hard to do stuff like that. When you see other teams around us that trade for all-stars or bring in all-stars all the time. Well, and that, you know, that's a totally legit point, but I do think to Portland's credit, this is the time right now after making it to the West finals, uh, seen having the entire league has seen what the, what Portland has done with the minimal roster that we have. And I do think there was a lot more kind of social media and national media stir with the Blazers making this run. I think there was kind of a lot more attention and eyes kind of watching all of our series from the first, second round and third round. Uh, so maybe this is the summer that we see this. Maybe this is the summer that I think you named off what? Maybe nine all-star free agents that uh, signed uh, with Western teams. Maybe this is the year that Portland gets that 10th one. Maybe we could get one. And maybe yeah, those involves. are sign, sign or traded. Because the, the other yeah. thing that, yeah, the other thing that Neil O'Shea has, I mean, the other big part of it is that we've got those three expiring contracts this year. He has to, in my mind, the, the success, whether it, it doesn't even really matter the result. He has to fucking trade two of those before the trade, at least two of those before the trade deadline and get something in return. If he, at the end of this year, if Myers, Mo Harkless, and Evan Turner walks for nothing, then he should be escorted out of the building. Like, he's got to get something for those expiring deals. I don't care if it's a second-round pick. Whatever. That is actually an interesting point that he has this extension locked up at this point uh, 
despite these kind of big proving marks kind of still coming up here. I want, let's let's focus. Actually, no, forget the CJ thing. We'll come back to that. We've got a whole other block. We're going to talk about the uh, offseason coming up. I want to move on about um, let's talk about Cantor. I'm sure you guys have heard the news by now. Just kind of maybe getting some some optimistic, nice news uh, to wash out the Olshe taste out of our mouth a little bit. Uh, Cantor, he's hosting. I heard about I think approximately. I was going to make a joke about. <laughs> never mind. I, I, Cantor is hosting about 45 basketball camps. Uh, summer camps for kids across 30 states, I believe, this summer. And the real big deal about this, Brandon and I have talked about NBA camps before and kind of the exorbitant uh, exorbitant prices they are tending to charge for just having the NBA player's name attached. Cantor is hosting these 45 or so basketball camps for free. Per Orlando Sanchez of KGW, he has a quote, uh, Cantor basically saying, the whole state, not just Portland, man, America gave me so much. So I think it's right to just come to my camp for free and enjoy it. I'm just not going to charge it just because I play in the NBA. I think the most important thing, more than money, is inspiring kids. We talk not just about basketball, but about education, on and off the court stuff. So it's definitely very important to me. Dude, if you didn't love Cantor already, I mean, like this, this I feel like it's such a break from the norm of what we hear about NBA players and kind of a lot of the... A lot of the off-season money-making stuff that is probably run by agents more than players, the, the agents who are really only focused on that dollar sign. But this is just an awesome, awesome sign. Would you agree, Evan? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Ennis Cantor is amazing. It's just so refreshing to see who dude who fuck, who gets it. Like yeah. he, he, he get, And he's a kid, too. He's like 25 or 26. He just gets it, right? Um, he understands the opportunity he's been given, and he's very grateful for it. You know, he comes from Turkey where it, it's a, obviously very different circumstances over there, so I think that he kind of understands that that the opportunity that he has and and um how th this is how he wants to show his things which is absolutely amazing it's funny um I i'm trying to get my hands on the video but one of my good buddies back in portland his kid went to one of his camps yesterday and he, they posted a video on instagram of ennis Cantor just blocking the shit out of his kid and like and <laughs> oh he's hilarious. terrible <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna get that video no it's like they loved it like the kid was laughing so but no i think i mean i think it's fantastic no, it's cool, and I, if I were an NBA player, I understand on the one hand, your career is limited in time, right? Because and your name it, is valuable, you know? Yeah, I get that. On the other hand, a lot of these NBA players have generational wealth that most Americans won't enjoy. Let's remember, we're talking about these contracts. Like, what's the minimum contract? It's like 2 or $3 million uh. a year. depends on years of service. Remember, $3 million a year... The average American will make right around $2 million in their entire lifetime of right? working. Yes. The average 50, American makes about a year $2 for million. 30 years is $2 million. Wow. So that's what we have to keep in mind. And so, yes, I appreciate it. I, and again, I'm not trying to say that every NBA player should be a philanthropist, like give discounts. I'm not saying no, that. No, they should. I, I, okay, go ahead. Well, go ahead. I, okay, especially not the giving discounts part because then you're, oh, you're saving money for people who have orders of magnitude more money than the players and the owners who are billionaires. So that's a different conversation. So I'm not saying that they shouldn't do what they, they need to do to make money. But, yes, when it comes to, like, teaching kids and – Fostering basketball for a new generation. I do appreciate the philanthropy that matters to me, and I think it's a good thing. I okay, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't trying to cut you off on it too much. I just, I you know, we I, I'm maybe a little more socialist or whatever you want to say about. I, we we touched earlier on saying that NBA players should be making as much money as they can. I get that. I do. 
I don't. I think it has limits, though. I, I think that the whole capitalist mindset in general has limits. And how about this? We have yet to see a single, not just basketball player, but a single celebrity or sports player in history, if you ask me, that gave so much, that was such a philanthropist, that gave so much back to their society, that we were like, whoa, are you, are you sure about this? Are you trying to give everything away? Just, I mean, okay. These NBA players, the Blazers, they are making so much money that, yes, they are giving back. And not just the Blazers. A lot of players around the NBA, there is a lot of good, generous charity that goes along, goes on and a lot of good they do in their communities. But it's a drop in the bucket overall, let's be honest. There's a lot more that could be done by the teams and by players individually. And this is not the best optimistic take on this on this camp. The, the point here really is, is Cantor. Okay, the, Bernie the, Sanders. <laughs> yeah, support Bernie. Uh, but the camp that... Actually, the, you should. The camps that Cantor is putting on, uh, it's awesome to see him giving these kids an opportunity to, to get involved for free, to just be there if they want to be there and enjoy it. And like you said, too, they're not just talking basketball. They're talking uh, off-the-court stuff. They're probably He could be talking to kids, uh, let's say, in low-income situations who aren't going to have good uh just kind of moral leaders just people to look up to and this could mean a lot more than basketball to a lot of these kids i agree it's cool it's a good thing let's move on all right so the finals are here not just the west finals the east finals i thought this was the the signal for the transition yeah i know i think you did great i i was i was where were you well i was finishing my statement it's your job well then you gotta get the transition in there you segued perfectly god damn it (laughs) (laughs) okay so uh we saw some crazy stuff happen in the east finals obviously the west with us and golden state it was crazy in many different ways like we talked about last time frustration elation everything in between in the east though i feel like milwaukee the bucks Giannis. They were very much the favorites for this. We've all had lots of jokes at Toronto's expense about how Toronto has never quite really succeeded how they could before. And Brandon, like you mentioned, they finally pulled the trigger on one of their big all-star players. They let uh, DeRozan go out of town. They get Kawhi back in return. And not only do they make it to the finals like the Blazers did in the West, they took down the Bucks. They took down the... Uh, not the opposite of underdogs, the, the the favorites. They took down the Bucks to the favorites and are going to the finals to meet the Warriors there. The f- crazy thing that I want to touch on really to kind of flip this around with the Blazers, if we had pulled off the upset, if we had fulfilled the fantasy and taken down the Warriors in the West Finals, we would now be facing that weird hypothetical nightmare of having to play a NBA Finals partially in Canada. And this would have been a nightmare, especially with Nurk injured. Our other starting center, Canner, with his dislocated shoulder, they wouldn't have been able to travel. To be clear, when you say nightmare, it's only because Cantor wouldn't have been available, right? Like, you're oh, not, yeah. You're not, yeah. So, oh, I'm not afraid of Toronto. I, we, we are the true kings of the north up here. Toronto is south of Portland, let's be honest. Toronto's a cool city. So, Evan, <laughs> I don't know how close you've been watching the East, but how surprised are you that and, – and let's get back to the Cantor thing in just a second, but just to, to start with – how surprised are you with Toronto going down 0-2 to the Bucks, who were the prohibitive favorites in the East? They come back and win the next four games with Kawhi Leonard looking every bit the part of an MVP candidate he was in years past. Does this surprise you, first of all? And then second of all, does Toronto have a chance? They have home court. Do they have a chance in the finals against the Warriors? Yeah, so I mean, what exactly what you said, being down, I'm not shocked that the Raptors won the series. I actually went back this morning and I, I, I did like my uh, playoff predictions right before the playoffs started, and I have the Raptors winning the finals. Really? Uh, wow. Okay. I actually, I've actually predicted, this is really lame, but I've predicted every single series right so far. 
except for Raptors or excuse, uh, Blazers Nuggets. I picked the Nuggets over the Blazers, but I picked and every what? other series. Correct. Yeah. Hold up. Hold I know. up. Hold up. So you're you're saying that you got you had accurate predictions across the entire NBA, but the one team you didn't predict accurately was your team moving on to the West Finals. Yep. If I was a little Bro. bit more of a homer, <laughs> if I was a little bit more of a homer, I would have been a hundred percent. I posted on Twitter and I posted the screenshot of my predictions. So like, I'm That's not just awesome. like saying that. <laughs> That's yeah. Excellent. Um, but no, I am shocked that they came back down from 2-0, um, especially the manner that the Bucks won. The, one of those games, they blew out Toronto. Um, yeah, and then when, when Toronto came back home, it felt like one of those series, like, oh, this is just going to go seven and the home team's going to win. Like, just each each of these teams are going to win at home. Um, but it ended up not being the case. And I think part of it, I mean, you touched on it earlier, Brandon, where the Raptors taking a chance on trading Drozen for Kawhi, which is like, one of the, not even that big of a gamble. I mean, this is what GM should be doing when you feel like you're that close. And if you, if you're that dialed in and talk about that paying off. But I mean, when you bring in a guy like Kawhi, who's been there um, with the Spurs organization and has been a finals MVP and he showed it. Um, yeah. With, I know the Bucks are a 61 team. They're going to be there. They're going to be back again. They're just really young with the honest, who's going to, it's scary to think that he's only going to get better. But um, and then to, to the second part of your question, do they have a chance against the Warriors? I mean, I don't think so. I'm going to obviously root for them. I cannot bring myself to ever root for the Warriors. So I'm going to root for them. But I think even if it's not a close series or they don't beat the Warriors, there's so much intrigue in this series, given that we don't know if Kawhi is going to stay in Toronto or not. We don't know what's happening, if Kevin Durant's going to play or not, or if he's staying in Golden State or not. Um, so I think that this finals will be fun, whether, you know, not even looking at what the result could be. I think it's just gonna be fun regardless. Let me, let me ask Keith's opinion on this and let me, let me preface it with this. Remember that the Portland trailblazers without their starting center got the warriors to double digit deficits and not one, not two, but three games, including one in Oracle (laughs) and the Raptors have home court and the Raptors are a better team. The Raptors. I love Dame. Sorry, Dame. They have a better best player. They have better Ooh. wings. They're better equipped to guard the Warriors. Keith, do you think the Raptors have a chance in this series against the Warriors? You know, again, I, I mentioned earlier, I feel like we've had a lot of jokes at the Raptors' expense uh, over not just this season, but previous ones. They tend to fall off in the playoffs. They tend to almost never win a game one in their series. They've obviously shaken uh, both of those kind of stereotypes so far this season. I... I guess you got to admit that the Raptors do they have a, a they have a deeper roster. I guess Kawhi is probably a better player overall than Dame. So yeah, they okay, it's it's hard to say that they're yeah, probably I'm I'm having yeah, we've Kawhi so Leonard much, is a better player than Dame full stop. But we've talked so much about Dame's ascension towards the MVP and kind of this top tier of not just point guards but NBA players. Kawhi as much as he's had that kind of talk in previous seasons, I feel like it's kind of been quieted in recent seasons, maybe partly because of the injury and the subsequent trade to Toronto and maybe this is showing that he does still have it. He is still up there. And yeah, okay, you know what? Kawhi is closer to LeBron's level than to Dame's level. So fine. They do have a better star Thank player, oh a better God. roster overall. It took me a minute, but I got there. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think my one real hesitancy to root for the Raptors in this is kind of about the story thing. It's that whole feeling of sometimes when you want the team that took down your team to get all the way, just to feel like, okay, well, obviously we lost to them because they're the, they ended up being the champions. And I feel like with the awesome story the Blazers have had out West, the Raptors 
kind of being this uh, Cinderella story getting all the way to the end might kind of outshine our story. And I don't know if that's what I want to – I want it to be about the Blazers. Here's how I want the story to end. I want the Warriors to play game one with no Kevin Durant. I want them to win that game and look really good. Like they have been Draymond's playing like a, you know, defensive play of the year candidate, all-star, all that stuff. I get where this is going. Uh, yep. I want <laughs> Kevin Durant to come back da- game two. I want them to look a little confused. I want the ball to stagnate a little bit. I want the players to start yelling at each other a little bit. I want Draymond to say some bullshit comment to KD in the locker room <laughs> after they lose game two. I would, there would literally be nothing more to trigger my NBA Schradenfreude than for the Warriors <laughs> to get KD back and then, and then lose the after that. That would be fucking amazing. That's what I want to very, happen. It's very much in play. And then one other point, though, uh, uh, that's a very good point. I think that that very well could happen, even though I've been hearing that Durant's injury is a lot worse than people think it is. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind is the Raptors have beat the Warriors twice this year, and Ooh. once they beat them once at Oracle by like 20 points. So one of the games, one of the games, Curry and Draymond didn't play, but Durant scored like 51 and the Raptors still won. And then the second game at Oracle, the Raptors beat him by like 20. So, you know, just interesting to keep in mind that the Raptors don't have a problem beating them. So that is actually a good point. And, and again, just as far as the, the Blazers kind of alternate storyline here in past seasons, we were kind of that team. We were, I think, when the Warriors won uh, their 73 games uh, in the regular season, we were the first team to beat them twice that season. And I think we took them, took down one game against them in the, in the postseason even. So, yeah, you know, I, I always kind of had the hopes that we would be the David to the Warriors Goliath. But if the, if the Raptors can do it this season, and especially like you said, Brandon, if it can be that beautiful scenario where when KD comes back, he's kind of really the, the linchpin in the Warriors' destruction, that would be pretty beautiful to maybe see that be the, the key to Kevin Durant's departure towards New York or wherever else he goes off to and maybe kind of bringing some more parity back across the league. That would be great. Uh, with that, let's take a quick break. Evan, hang tight. First, actually, let's not do this. Here's what we're going to do. We are just going to say thank you to our sponsors. Yes. We're not going to take too much time. Envy Adventures at envyadventures.com and clearly speaking at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. We love both of you. Maybe there's some music playing right now. Depends on how lazy I am <laughs> with editing. With that, we're going to come back. We have some questions. And Evan, what we're going to do is we're going to tee all of these up to you, our faithful oh. guest, because we love you. <laughs> I'm going to start with this question I know that you'll appreciate. It's from a friend of the show, Ryan Green. Shout out. He's with the Blazer Tag Podcast. And Ryan Green at the Ryan Green asks, why does everyone sleep on Ole Shea's genius? He <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you guys know Ryan. Uh, is he being sarcastic or is he being serious? He, that's, that's hard to say. <laughs> it's both. He actually values he he the, the the serious part is that he values Olshay more than than we three do for sure. I think he was being a little funny, but he definitely doesn't feel the same about Olshay as us. So he why, why, why do you pre- let's pretend like this question is totally legit? So why does everybody sleep on Olshay's genius? <laughs> uh, everyone sleeps on Olshay's genius because they understand that the reason the Blazers are where they are is because of Damian Millard and Terry Stotts and the culture that they've created. Yep, agree. Right. <laughs> Speaking of which, his podcast also asked a question: the Blazer Tag Podcast at Blazer Tag PDX. Who wins in a mud wrestling match, Olshay or Stotts? Uh, Olshay, hundred percent. That dude's like that. That dude's like going for nuts and trying to gouge eyes out, dude. Like he's he's fighting dirty, and Terry's probably more 
more of a distinguished fighter, you know, shake hands and all that. But Terry doesn't play that way, man. He's going straight for your nuts. I would say I would <laughs> I would say Stotts has got the length though at least that might give him him some fighting chance and if Stotts brought back the mustache that he had back in his NBA uh, playing days or NBA uh, yeah back in his playing days uh, I think that would give him an edge too some of the mustache oh. is always more dangerous in a wrestling uh, wrestling pit <laughs> also Olshay doesn't want to fuck up his hair so ah. that's that's something to think about too I feel like Stotts would have that midwestern corn fed kind of sneaky strength so. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Stotts on all the right. Olshay would fight dirty. <laughs> Next question from Dwayne at Dwayne Peterson. He asks to two parter. I think that you will legitimately appreciate this more. Uh, one, why does Olshay get credit for Stotts and Dame turning coal into diamonds? And then the second <laughs> part is: Is it more likely that Portland trades their picks uh, during this draft or uses those picks? Okay, I'll answer the first part first. The reason, and, and that's the problem with Twitter, with the way Twitter's set up and how, you know, people and fans react is it's all recency bias. So uh, is getting a ton of credit now because we just made the Western Conference Finals. Um, and he's kind of, again, he's rode that wave. I mean, that's kind of what we've addressed the entire time. Um, what, what was, how do you exactly word the question? How, why do people... Why, did, why does Olshay get credit for Stotts and Dame turning coal into diamonds. It's the same thing like my thing, my lemons and lemonade kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'll give Olshay credit in the fact that the, the no risk, I don't even call it low risk, the no risk moves of signing Seth Curry, trading a couple picks for Rodney Hood and Ennis Cantor, though they were good fits for Terry Stott's system. Like I mentioned before, Olshay has a history of bringing in guys that are not good fits for Terry Stott's system. So maybe he's just rounded into, okay, I can now identify the fringe players that can help elevate the team kind of from the bottom. Um, but Olshay's done nothing to prove that he can bring in like a big name to get us over the top. All right. I feel, I feel the same way. And I, just to some, just to say yes, I to reiterate, I agree that people are focusing on the result more than the process. And if you just say, "Well, you did a good job because X happened," that ignores how you got there. If I stumble my way into saving a child falling off a balcony, like they're falling and like I somehow trip and like face plant and they land on me and they they survive like am i really getting credit for tripping no so that's how i feel about olshay in the success of western conference finals next question from support women at mel wait did he oh go did he have the second part yeah sorry yeah it was do you think that portland is more likely to use their draft picks or to trade their draft picks um it's crazy to think that we just made the western conference finals and the blazers are still one of the youngest teams in the nba I don't know what the value is in bringing in more 21-year-old kids. I mean, we just drafted two dudes in Anthony Simons and Gary Trent, who they, Anthony Simons might get playing time next year, depending on what happens with Seth Curry, but they both might not get playing time. So do we really want to bring in one or two young guys, keep bringing in these young guys? I think if I were Neil O'Shea, I would try to swing hard at trading one of those expiring contracts or two of them with picks Right off the bat, I, I think it's going to be easier for him to do it at the trade deadline, but I would try to do it at like draft night or leading up to it. Yeah, I, I think at this this uh, off season, all assets need to be pointed towards bringing in a big free agent, preferably a big free agent wing. I want to see someone on the on the three or four that's a two way player, and all assets should be going towards that uh, one way or the other. 
I also think Simons will definitely be getting playing time. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I think he's ready for it. Um, next question. I'm actually going to switch up the order based on Keith's wise <laughs> sage direction. From Berlacious M, at Berlacious M, it's another two-part question. So which free agents did the Blazers keep this offseason, and who are some players you'd like to see them realistically add? I will say I think this is a tough question because it depends on so many things. It depends on how willing the Blazers are to go over the cap. It depends on whether or not they can offer enough to keep Alfred Gaminu here. It depends on whether or not they make moves to get under the cap and get the full mid-level exception, which would open up different players to them. So maybe let's ignore the cap implications and just stick to of the players that are expiring, which I think are Seth Curry, Aminu, Seth. Rodney Hood, Ennis Cantor, those four. Jake Lehman. Jake is a restricted free agent, though, so his situation is slightly different. Let's say those five. of the, yeah. Let's start there. Of those five, the Aminu, Lehman, Cantor, Curry, and Hood, are there any of those that you'd like to keep just kind of right off the top? Again, it's too complicated to get in the what-ifs and whatever. Just from a stylistic standpoint, if you had to keep a couple, who would they be? Uh, I think... Rodney Hood is realistic. I, it, it's always tough because, again, we go with recency bias. Rodney Hood had a, a good series against Denver. Um, so it's like, did, did any other team pick up on this and like, hey, well, let's let's give Rodney Hood a shot when in the past few years no one's wanted to. I think Rodney Hood's realistic. Alfred Aminu might be hard because I could see a team coming in and offering him, kind of pricing us out. Um, I, same thing with Seth Curry. I, I, I'm predicting that some random team like the Pistons is going to come in and give Seth Curry like a pretty big contract, which will be interesting. Um, the center situation with, with Nurkic out, I don't know. And his Cantor obviously has expressed that he wants to be here. Obviously he loves it. I don't know going back to the cap in this and what we'll have and all that, if it's gonna be possible. And then layman, who knows? Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I feel like the most likely to be priced out of Portland's range is going to be Seth Curry. I think he's just performed too well, and there's too many teams that could use someone at his position that can play like that. I feel like the most likely people to keep are going to be Cantor and Hood. Uh, I, I think Cantor and Hood are most likely uh, the one they want to stay in Portland. They both express that, and the most likely to maybe kind of pursue a smaller contract that we can afford here. Aminu is the one that I'm having a really hard time telling where I think it's going to land. I feel like he loves Portland. He's not really the type that is necessarily pursuing the biggest, most glorious uh, path that he can find. So he could, again, maybe kind of like with the hopes with Cantor and Hood, he could settle. Uh, he could settle on a little less money and stay here in Portland. But if he is looking for any sort of contract improvement, I think it's going to be hard for us to keep him here. The only thing is that Aminu was nigh unplayable in a lot of the playoffs, and that yeah. was concerning. I get the recency bias part of it but he's improved so much too season to season like he's added he's gotten better on the three-point shooting he's able to dribble a lot more he's added a passing game when the dribble's not quite holding on that's true and i think the reality is and again i didn't want to go too far into the details that aminu's situation where the blazers have bird rights where they can go over the cap to sign him that makes it more likely that the Blazers would retain him if if the way in which the Blazers could retain these players were all equal. I don't think he'd be their first choice, but just by nature of where they are financially, I think that makes it more likely. Let's move on to the second part of the question. Uh, Evan, are there any players that you'd like to see the Blazers add if they could? I haven't like really looked at, I, you know, I don't think it's going to be 
I heard possible. KD's available. <laughs> yeah, or it may, maybe Kawhi. Like, like some, some Blazers account. Giannis left that press conference a, early. You never know. Well, no, and, and some Blazers Twitter account put out like a Photoshop picture of Kawhi in a Blazers jersey. Yeah, I, I saw like, that. What the, <laughs> yes. what the fuck are you guys doing? Um, yes. I just, I don't think it's going to be. I think the way we acquire someone isn't going to be through free agency because I just think it's. I just don't think it's poss- going to be possible cap wise. I think it goes back to. Olshay's got to do something with two of those, at least two of those three expiring contracts and maybe draft picks. I don't, I haven't really looked into like, you know, what, what wing player that would fit a need that's on the fringe with his team that like would be willing to deal. Like I, I haven't even looked at any of that, but I think that that's the route that they should, that we should go, but we'll see. I think, uh, I feel like I would I would be hoping as far as like a free agent target, someone that we could be like looking for like that's a big name, a big uh, player to bring to Portland on the wing. Let's look at Milwaukee. If they're in any sort of spot where, like we've said with other teams, when they kind of feel like they've achieved as much as they can at a certain level with Toronto, they what all they could really do to improve would be to trade away one of their top players, bring in another big talent. I think if we could make a deal with uh, Milwaukee. Let's say for CJ McCollum, like we brought up earlier make a deal for uh, Middleton or something like that. Someone that we could bring in from there and give us a little more length, a little more defense, a little more of a wing player. That could be a really good target for us this offseason, maybe help us get that next step. The problem is you haven't seen sign trades that much lately, so I'm right. not sure how realistic that is. But Details, it's, Brandon. Details. It's, funny, it's funny that you brought that up. I'm trying to find it right now. But two years ago, I think it was two years ago when, like, it was right before we got Nurk and, like, everyone was re-energized with the Blazers. Remember, we were, we were really, kind of bad going in the trade deadline, and then people are like, what should we do trading? And one of the things where I, was, I had a tweet, I think, where it was like, I don't know if I would trade CJ, but one guy I would look at would do like a CJ for Chris Middleton and Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker was going to be a free agent. So it's like you get to look at him for a half year and then you can let him go. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I like Chris Middleton quite a bit. Yep. Uh, very fair. Last question. I think you'll really appreciate this one. It's from support women at Malnati. He <laughs> asks, <clears throat> you'll see why. Uh, let's talk about the bigs. Do we see do we see Zach Collins starting at the four next year, perhaps by the middle of the year, under the assumption that the Blazers do not keep Aminu? Does Myers get traded? He's an expiring contract, and maybe his greatest game ever was game four against Golden State. So just to summarize, uh, do you think Zach Collins is going to start next year? Do you think Myers will get traded? And then they ask, P.S., fuck Portland gear. Have known Marcus for a while. This is not the first time he's stolen some design. We're going to just leave that there. We'll just, no comment. No, no comment. comment. That was that was his comment. So uh, what do you think? Do you think Collins is starting? Do you think Myers gets traded? Uh, if Al Farouk Aminu is on the Blazers roster, I think Al Farouk Aminu starts the season as starter. Um it, and, and it's not it's not that necessarily that Zach doesn't deserve to start. It's the the thing that throws a wrench in it is Nurkic's injury. So Nurk is out. Mm-hmm. Zach is one of the few seven footers that we have. Ennis Cantor may or may not be back. If Ennis Cantor doesn't come back, then Zach Collins might have to be the backup or starting center or backup center. Like that's going to get kind of weird for a few months. You know what I mean? Like, um, gun to head, I would say I would say by the end of the season, I could see Zach Collins starting. Wow, really? Okay. Yeah. Man, I, I'm not sure if I see him coming up that fast. He is improving. I just don't know if I see him getting that starting four spot. I mean, uh, like you said, though, a lot of it is going to have to do with the roster shakeup. If Chief is not in town, uh, and especially even more so if Cantor doesn't stick around and Nurk isn't healthy, there's a lot of gaps in that in that front court there. So he and Myers are going to maybe see a lot of minutes. I could see Colin starting, and I just want to reiterate, I really see Simons playing a role next year. 
I also see him being extremely important long-term. I think that's another reason why the Blazers should not be afraid to trade CJ. There is not room for two guards, let alone three, that have those skills that CJ and Dame and Simons do. And I'm not comparing Simons and CJ to Dame or even Simons to CJ currently. I'm just saying. The potential. Yeah, I I think the Blazers, their path to being legitimately better next year as we're, I think that we've kind of talked about this, just not said it directly, but I think that our conversation about free agents and who can we sign and who can't we sign, their path to getting better really kind of runs through Collins and Simons a little bit. I do think that. I think that whether oh, 100%. whether yeah whether they're trade assets or whether they stay on the team. Well, and let's not forget Scal here either. I mean, he could be the other the mystery front court piece that we've uh, we've left out of this conversation so far. <laughs> with with Nurks with Nurks injury, if we don't resign Cantor, he might have to play. That's, yeah. that's what I was saying about the, the beginning of next year could be weird for Portland. Well, look, in the same way that we saw some great minutes from Simons at the end of the last season or the end of this regular season, we could, we saw some nice minutes from Scal too. So maybe uh, Scal, Myers, and Zach are the new future front court uh, until Nurk gets back in healthy. But listeners, let us know what you think. Uh, remember, you can write us at any time about anything, preferably Blazers, but we will take all of your questions. Brandon, uh, I think on this offseason, are we probably kind of sliding back towards that one pot a week kind of rhythm here? Maybe. I mean, it just depends. If that, are, are we doing the outro now? Yeah, I think we're probably getting there. Wait, did we let Evan do his little outro? Evan, thank you for joining us on the show. Yeah, as you're always, terrible. Man. Come on. <laughs> you know what? I'm podcasting in downtown Portland. I have this beautiful view that's distracting me over here. It is distracting. Uh, Brandon's big cat, Zara, keeps running across my lap. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, Evan, thank you for joining us as always, man. Uh, if the listeners wanted to get in touch with you, reach out for any of your beautiful Blazers artwork and others o- over at EvanM.com. Where can they reach you on social media? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter and Instagram, EvanMPDX. It's E-V-A-N-E-M-P-D-X, both handles. Got some fun stuff coming out uh, painting-wise. I've been sitting on a painting that I've started before I moved to New Orleans. Is that good for the structural integrity of the painting to sit on it? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 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 Dad jokes. Yeah, yeah, I started it back in Portland. Then when I moved down to New Orleans and waited till I got settled in, and it's basically done. It's Probably my favorite painting, most ambitious painting I've done. Ooh. I'm waiting I'm waiting to have a, a videographer I'm trying to find down here to shoot a promo video for it. But I'm staring at it right now. It's beautiful. So I'm excited to share that. That's hopefully going to be happening in the next month or two. And then I've got some other stuff coming out. So Sweet. Evan MPDX, Twitter, Instagram, give me a follow. Thank you so much. I love everyone who follows me except for... Some of you assholes who follow me and troll me, and we, <laughs> we get into it. Oh, don't hate but me, that's... man. It's all, it's all in fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. Thank you, as always. It's always good to have you on the show. Nice Thank to have so uh, the, 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 long, the long reach out to our correspondent in New Orleans, Brandon. Uh, now that we have Evan's Twitter contacts, reaching him over at Evanem, Evanem PDX on Twitter, where can they find the Trailcasters and ourselves? Well, they can find us at Trailcasters, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Trailcasters at gmail.com, or just Trailcasters. Trailcasters.com and the intro outro interlude beats, including the beats you're enjoying right now, are brought to you by Odar. You can check out his work at soundcloud.com slash Odar Beats. Support your local beat makers. And the last thing I'll say, please give us a review if you haven't done it yet. Doesn't matter how you do it, those reviews help a lot. Thank you. You all make this fun. We appreciate you with that, Keith. If you get us all the way out of here, I would appreciate it. So would Evan, so would Zara, so would Zora, who is hiding somewhere. Uh, the other cat. Oh, okay, well, yeah, shout out to my pups too, Kuo and Toby back home. Uh, in shout closing, your honorable man. listeners, he, that's he it. He didn't make a peep the whole time. That's true, yeah. Where's Fat I man? know. <laughs> he's laying right next to me. Good boy. He's going to get a carrot after this. He just Good boy. 
Uh, yeah, in good closing, boy. your on listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Brandon, as always. Thank you to Odar for those fat beats. Thank you to our sponsors, Envy Adventures and Clearly Speaking. And thank you to Evan McCarthy of Evan M for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again one more time. And please come back for the next off-season edition of the Trailcasters. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. Hell yeah. Jeez. That was fun. Dude, that was fun. Thank you for joining is. us. That was awesome. That's good. Some good combos. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I was pumped because I saw a lot of stuff that Brandon was saying on Twitter. I mean, it's, there, it's so weird that some of these dudes are so passionate about, about defending Neil Shay. Dude, you and it, Brandon are troll magnets for some of this uh, Neil talk, I and, swear. And like, I'm not, it, it's, <laughs> I, and I'm at the point now where I over exaggerate my trollness just because I know it's going to fuck with these people. <laughs> like, like you said, Brandon, like, I, he's not a terrible GM. I just think that he he's getting credit, a lot of credit where maybe it's not due necessarily. Um, but God, it's so weird how he has like scams on Twitter. I, I think go, that, go for it. No, no, no. I just, I, I think that some people really do. I think some of these are the same people who'd be talking shit about him had they not done as well as right. they did. I think some of it's a little prisoner of the moment thing. But yeah, it is weird. Well, and uh, I, I think that some of this just push back against the norm too. Like they hear enough people talking trash. I on think that's shit, it. They yeah. gotta kind of be like, someone's like, well, you gotta support the other. They side gotta too. be the contrarian. Yeah, exactly. the contrarian of like, well, actually, whatever. 